Hey, hi, hello, welcome to Smoke Show. This is Claire. Uh, today, coming at you with a very special edition of what I'm calling talking shit about CrossFit. Um, <laughs> a friend reminded me today about CrossFit documentaries because for a while they were kind of my like go-to special interest. I love a sports documentary and CrossFit. I'm going to take a full breath before I'm just like completely out of breath. <laughs> for the rest of the episode because I take one hit at the beginning and I insist on taking it live for some reason. So before we get into CrossFit and I explain what the sport of CrossFit is, it's spoiler, it's competitive working out, but it's such a, oh, there's so much to say about CrossFit and what the organization thinks it is, what it actually is, the sport, quote unquote. But in general, I love a sports documentary and when I was reminded about CrossFit today, I'm going to pull an Andrew Bird and take off my shoes, which I just realized I haven't done all day. When I went to see Andrew Bird in college, I got really mad because um, he took off his shoes on stage. And I was just like, that's such a gimmick. Oh, it was deeply cringe. Anyway, that was a fine concert. Um, there was nothing wrong with him taking his shoes off. I just thought it was so fucking gimmicky. I still do. Um, anyway, <laughs> clearly held that grudge for 10 years. Time to let it go. Love a sports documentary. This weekend, I ended up watching The Last Dance for like the third or fourth time. I love rewatching documentaries. There's something very soothing about them. I think like part of it is that I love a nonfiction narrative. Um, documentaries often feel like the behind the scenes of something, especially sports documentaries, because you get a lot of like practice footage. In terms of The Last Dance, like one of the best things I think you get in there is the team's travel footage. So it's really like easy to see these people as people. And sports documentaries in particular, I think often offer a very specific view into a subculture of the team of pro sports life. And like often I think they get into fans of sports. Not much. The last dance has a little bit because Michael Jordan is, was like literally the most famous person on the planet for a while. But you know, there are entire Netflix series about the fans of certain like English football teams. So that's what I mean. But I love a sports documentary. Uh, obviously, I had like an episode a few episodes ago about Lance Armstrong, and I've seen all of the Lance Armstrong documentaries. I own the 30 for 30 episode because that was the only way to see it. Too much. It's too much. Um, but the other cycling one that I really like is Icarus. There's also a French one called Domestique that's pretty interesting. I would love to hear the French talk more about the Tour de France and what it meant for it to go so inter like it was always obviously an international competition as soon as modern cycling took off but so so I love hearing the French talk shit uh, <laughs> but like I love the skateboarding documentaries um Dogtown and Z-Boys is narrated by Sean Penn which is just interesting and at one point he like coughs and he's just like oh excuse me and they leave it in and with Sean Penn like it, his voice really matched what they were going for. So I always think of that as a great example of like, yeah, sometimes it's not a great dude, but in terms of matching the energy and the vibe of a documentary, I do think that narration is kind of like make or break for a lot of them. So that is an example of a really good one. And my other favorite skateboarding documentary, there's actually quite a few good skateboarding documentaries. There's also one, I can't remember the name, but it's of like, these hardcore skateboarders who are very like anti-Tony Hawk. 
which is, you know, a good perspective to have. I don't agree with all of their stuff. I don't think the kid, like, ruined their life. Um, But I do understand how, like, in the Tony Hawk documentaries. And so his documentary... So his documentary, Till the Wheels Fall Off, I didn't like that much. But my... I love Bones Brigade, which is about the Stacey Peralta team that he was on. And I think, obviously, they give Tony a lot of time in that one because, like, they have... I mean, the Bones Brigade is so fucking iconic. I could talk about the Bones Brigade documentary for so long. I love the Bones Brigade documentary. The soundtrack is excellent. Such good use of Devo. And all of the guys in it are honestly like pretty cool because they were like you know it's like Steve Caballero and stuff it's just like very the photo shoots that they did for Vans and like it's just it's full of characters and Stacey Peralta is somebody who like knows how to be on camera I also just think Lords of Dogtown like as a fictional movie I really enjoy and that is so Catherine Hardwick the party scene is just like it looks like 13 it is so blue Catherine Hardwick loves to make movies um, that take place along coast, uh, like Pacific Ocean coastal towns. <laughs> anyway, um, The Last Dance, I don't know if I mentioned this, is um, the worst edited timeline I've ever seen. It is so confusing. I've seen this so many times and I still struggle to keep up with what's happening. They split it up over the final season and then they kind of go chronologically in time back through each season leading up to the final season but they're interspersing it with final season stuff and then each episode talks about a different member of the team kind of because a lot of it is about Michael and then like some of it is their rivalry with the Detroit Pistons I want to know more about the Pistons team and like why they were able to get away with playing so dirty and like what was going on and the being like the most aggressive in the league and like winning but like being known as that I'm just so curious they have so many things going on there you know, I took that personally. It's such a good documentary quote. It's so memeable. It is really interesting to see somebody who was it undeniably the best who ever did it and who, like, raised the bar so fucking high in terms of what basketball is, how much money it made. And I think seeing Scottie Pippen get screwed over by management, I mean, talk. The Last Dance is just one long documentary about how management can screw up an entire team like it's wild that we've never had another Chicago Bulls team that's been anywhere near as good as they were and it's just because management got greedy and they didn't want to pay these guys and so these guys had to like split up and go to different teams but like they were all right there they could have just kept them it was egos another series that I like and don't like is cheer on Netflix I love dance and cheer documentaries there's (laughs) not going to encourage anybody to watch a YouTube called a show called cheerleaders about a uh, like high school team basically. But like there's, there, there are a few on Netflix and I do find that anytime they start following people, the team tends to lose. Um, I think it's hard to keep your concentration, but one of the best ever, I don't remember its name was on lifetime. It was so good. And the girls won and like, there was a secret superstition about jello I love a dance and cheerleading documentary. I'm always very interested in the coaches. Cheer is one of the highest injury sports. And so I do think that Cheer, the documentary in the first season, highlights that quite a bit and highlights the dangerousness. I think Monica is a fucking terrible coach. I couldn't believe that everybody was like, yeah, but she produces results. And it's like, at what cost? 
Cheerleaders often wreck their bodies. There are so many examples uh, where adults have filmed teenagers crying and being like, no, I'll perform on a sprained ankle because I don't want to let the team down. And it's like, that's not okay for them to be at that place mentally. Like, I understand teens are very like, I'm resilient and I'm never going to die. But like, in cheer, it's just very scary. I do think, (laughs) I don't want to go into it, but Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders making the team is a very, um, kind of show. But like, I think it does have really talented dancers on it and so uh that's why i watch it despite all of the blatant fat phobia and uh it's not it's mm, i can't say there's a great representation of like what it means to be a powerful woman from the director and choreographer who are terrible fucking people but who are very good at their jobs um and the dallas cowboys cheerleaders are weirdly one of the last places where they want women who look a little bit older and are like not teenager looking sex. It's anyway, I don't want to get too much into that, but it it does interest me that there's kind of like an archetypal Dallas Cowboys cheerleader. And it's kind of based on like a 90s beer commercial style. You know what I mean? In terms of more extreme sports, not a free solo fan thought he came off irredeemably poorly. The poor fucking girlfriend. I was just like, girl, you got to break up. Like it just, um, Touching the Void. Oh, I like Touching the Void. It's so intense, even though you know that they, like, it's not a spoiler work that they survive because they're narrating the entire thing, but it is fucking insane. Um, <laughs> and so it stresses me out. I don't like watching it a lot. I do like watching um, surfing documentaries, Riding Giants, and is it Step into Silver, Step into Liquid? Some really good ones. Riding Giants is good. It's like an interesting history it's it's a little hokey, but like I like it. Um, I've never seen it available anywhere. And Hundred Foot Wave is very good on HBO. Um, the Short Game, another great one. Golf is one of those that I feel like should have more documentaries about it. But I don't know that I've ever seen a documentary about Tiger. And you know, it would have to go into the scandal. But I do think that obviously Tiger revolutionized golf the same way that like Michael revolutionized basketball. But they started going to the gym. <laughs> Uh, that's usually how, how people revolutionized a sport in the eighties and nineties. They just started playing more like Tiger would go out and like hit balls while everybody was drinking in the clubhouse after the match. It's it's like, yeah, okay. They have more commitment. Uh, I don't know that this is a sports documentary, but I love Psalm. It's a competition documentary. Like so many good competition documentaries. Every little step, a fantastic competition documentary. Oh my God. I can't believe I didn't think about every little step. Love it. Um, I've talked for over an hour on a podcast about every little step, so I will link that. But like, it just, oh, it's one of my favorites. It's people auditioning for a revival of a chorus line and a chorus line is a behind the scenes musical. So it's a behind the scenes on a behind the scenes musical. And it's just, you get so much like archival cast footage. You get a ton of really interesting stories. People cry a lot and Tice Diorio completely loses it and like, um, it gets an ego the size of the room and everybody it's it's so good um and two girls are competing against each other and they're like best friends and like you want both of them to get oh and then the girl who thinks that she's gonna get understudy gets the main role and she's so good and i still go watch her um there's like a bootleg of her that's on youtube that's very good and i'll link it in the notes 
Um, anyway, I don't think obsession with sports is good. I don't think like football should be played. I'll be honest. I don't care about sports games that I am not actively sitting my butt at. And even then I can care like medium amounts. I like baseball. I used to keep score. (laughs) So in my school, you had to have gym credit and I did some gym credits, but also I managed quote unquote, my varsity softball team I was on it sophomore and junior and then senior year I had like a job and stuff and I just like didn't want to be around that coach she was mean um but I kept score basically and one time I got an out and I'm gonna tell that story here because I never don't tell that story um it's fucking very funny to me that I probably got more outs when I was keeping score than when I was actually playing on the field uh, <laughs> But yeah, um, so at baseball games and like stuff like that, like I think I'd be somebody who like the next time I go, I feel like I'm going to be like, should I print out a score sheet? Because it's fun to keep score. It's stats are cool. I love stats. Um, I'm not a math person, but I do love stats. Anyway, football documentaries. I hate, I hate football, like American football so much. I love a soccer documentary, but I can't think of a single one right now. Um, I don't particularly love documentaries like I love one that goes over like the general sport or teams, but like individuals, I find, oh, to be like so ass kissy. I think in the last dance, there was like, obviously everybody's going to kind of ass kiss. It's Michael Jordan. So you can't be like, no, he wasn't that good. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? But it just, yeah, I feel like there was a lot of stuff where I was like, I don't know that I fully believe you there. Um, So yeah, uh, obsession with sports, bad documentary was out sports things good as i said like sports docs often feel like behind the scenes so 15 minutes in let's talk shit about crossfit (laughs) so the sport of crossfit is competitive working out just as a little bit of background in case you're unfamiliar with crossfit crossfit was invented by this guy called greg glassman i hate that i know the name off the top of my head but i do he was like i think an ex-navy seal or marine I think maybe seal though. And he invented, invented quote unquote, like a, an all over body workout. CrossFit believes in using your momentum for movement, which is why they do like kipping pull-ups and thing and um, handstand push-ups and things like that. Like you can use momentum in other parts of your body. You don't have to be strict with so many movements. Um, they do a series of workouts. They often have some mixed in military propaganda into their hero workouts. Yeah, they do like dedicated workouts to a fallen like Navy SEAL that's called the Murph workout every year. And like, that's a big controversial thing that happens at the games because they make them do it twice, even though the first year a bunch of people like literally almost died of heat stroke. So that's always fun. But basically CrossFit takes place in a box instead of a gym. It is a gym. They're often like a garage style. They're supposed to look really like bare bones. I think CrossFit wants to feel very like rugged. All of their equipment is made by a company called Rogue. <laughs> and, like, everything in CrossFit is so intense. Like there's these warm-ups that a bunch of the athletes are like paid to promote and I think it's like CrossFit has a lot of like capitalism tie-ins there's a lot of specific people who make like um go wad is like the the stretching app that a lot of the top athletes use and promote and they have these pads and I'm like those are just thick yoga mats <laughs> There's so much to it that like people buy whoop bracelets so that they can be part of this kind of they get all the same stats as other people. And so CrossFit, I think there's 
maybe a is this a cult episode about CrossFit? CrossFit's one of those things that like gets very culty very quickly. It's a different way of working out. People, th- I, there's a lot of like hype at gyms and especially gyms where like you take classes with other people and CrossFit is like, we're super inclusive and we applaud everybody and we like cheer everybody on. So it, you get a lot of endorphins. Be- endorphins make you happy. Happy people, <laughs> happy people just keep going back to CrossFit. They just do. But I do think there's... Um, there's like an ex-bachelor person. He was on Hannah Brown season. His name's Luke. He's the one who, if you've ever seen Hannah say, um, yes, I had sex and Jesus still loves me. He's Luke. He's like, a, he was a terrible dude on the show, like very manipulative and like not a great dude. He now does CrossFit. Like CrossFit just feels like almost like a those who can't do teach kind of sport. Like, cause it combines a lot of weightlifting. And I think with competitive weightlifting, like you just have to be so good that if you're not going to be the best, I, what do you do with all of that? Like sport energy as you get older, especially. And so I think a lot of people like start going to CrossFit, get really into it. And then when you want to dedicate your entire life to practicing, working out and doing different workouts, um, you become a CrossFit Games athlete. And the CrossFit Games used to be basically the best of 40 of the best CrossFit athletes in the world. Again, CrossFit is a silly little sport because it's not really a sport. It has a bunch of elements to it, but a lot of it is working out. So they'll have to do rounds of like 15 pull-ups and then 15 squat snatches and then 20 handstand push-ups. And then the the next event, and they'll do that like three times for time, or they'll do an EMOM, which is every minute on the minute. And so like, they'll have to change what they're doing and they count reps instead. So like somebody can get ahead. It's it, the thing is, it is sometimes thrilling to watch, but sometimes they do things like cyclocross where they just have them ride a bike around this stupid course for like two hours and they had to do five heats each. So it took so long. <laughs> um, but also like CrossFit it combines gymnastics. So there's like handstand walk slash run events. They do like obstacle courses on their hands. It's very impressive looking, but it is at its core, quite silly. And then they'll do deadlifts and they'll do ladder. Like there's a lot of weightlifting involved in, especially in like the earlier games programming. I feel like they did a lot more weight. I don't know why, but there's like run, swim, run. Like there's just, so the thing with the games and CrossFit wants to be taken seriously as a sport. They think that they have what it takes to be the next big sport. Who am I to say otherwise? But with CrossFit, they want to be taken seriously as a sport. And I'm like, but you're not even a sport because like the athletes don't know what they're going to do at the games. It's hidden workouts. It's surprise things. The guy who used to design the games and like quote unquote invented them, his name is Dave Castro. And he was fired last year. Greg Glassman, um, it was outed as a violent racist and um, anti-vaxxer, you know, COVID denier. Um, so he was forced to sell CrossFit by the board after he made some really disgusting comments about the murder of George Floyd. And it sold to some guy, Eric Souza or something, um, who was in Colorado. He's now sold it since. But basically, um, the original guy, Glassman's crew, kind of stayed on at CrossFit um, there was a mass firing in 2018. So this was before, um, glass, like when Glassman was still there, where they pared down a lot of the game staff. They fired the documentary makers. Like the 2018 documentary was famously kind of like lost footage for a really long time. 
that kind of thing. But um, the problem with wanting to be a sport is like sports have rules. You show up and you play a known game. There's no other sport where you show up and you're like, oh, I guess we got to run through this haunted house today. Like, it's just so bizarre. And they could fix this by releasing the workouts ahead of time. But they want it to they want the programming to be a secret and they want it to also be purposefully bombastic because they are programming for entertainment value. And it's like, yeah, I don't know if that's helping you. But anyway, the guy who founded the games, Dave Castro, held like a barbecue CrossFit event at his family's farm in California. This is a huge property, so I don't want to call it a farm, but they're, they're, they call it the ranch. Um, you go there in the 2016 documentary. <laughs> But Dave Castro invented the CrossFit Games, and then he designed it. And he would talk about it himself like he was God. He's so annoying in the documentaries. I was really surprised that I watched the 2021 documentary today, and there's, like, no mention of him because he's been fired since. So interesting. Usually he's, like, a huge talking head in all of them because he is so smug. But, you know, he's also, like, the closest to the sport, so... It makes sense that he gets a lot of airtime. But so many of the dudes like like Castro and like this other guy, Stefan, were just like kind of gross dudes. Like it was like a boys club. And there's a lot of misogyny that's just kind of like inherent to CrossFit in terms of like there's a lot of workouts are named after women. And people have said that it's like not great because the hero workouts are named after men. And then like... um. There's like the Fran. They're named after specific women and w- women who have come forward. I mean, like this was like a way to harass me kind of thing. Not not great. Um, CrossFit has a history of the female athletes being harassed by other CrossFit because like th- looking at their bodies, like these women truly. Uh, <laughs> I need to say that again. <laughs> um, women athletes often get harassed by the community at a much higher rate. And it's just, it's not got a great history. But I will say what is interesting about CrossFit as a sport is that the men and women do the exact same things. Sometimes the women, the women's weights are scaled down appropriately. That's it. But they'll do the same amount of repetitions. And a lot of times in events, like the last event of the 2020 CrossFit Games, which was during COVID, so it was super fucking strange. They only invited five people out and they did it at the ranch. But it was like a lot of running and stuff like that. But the last event was like do like 300 toe touches um, or like one leg squats, basically Um, do 300 handstand pushups and run like five miles before and five miles after or something. And the women outpaced the men like three women completed it before before a dude did. And women are often better at those like long haul events, which I just think is very interesting. Um, And it's such a it's a cool international sport. Like there's quite a few countries represented. There's quite a few Icelandic women in the beginning and they get a lot of screen time because they're all very pretty and blonde and good athletes. And they completely ignore Tia Claire Toomey for her first two years there because she gets second both times. And then she comes back and she has been the only winner of the CrossFit Games since 2016 for the women. And until 2020, yeah, um, Matt Frazier was the guy who had won for six years in the men's division. He is from Vermont, which is why I originally got into CrossFit, because 
my sister told me about it and I was like, cool. Yeah, that sounds interesting. And she was like, yeah, there was this guy. He's from Vermont and he like couldn't run. And so they show how like he just didn't he wasn't good at sprinting. And then he worked on it all year, like obsessively. And he came back and you see him pull ahead and it's like really emotional. And it's a really well shot thing. And like the camera, there's a really cool behind the scenes shot of the cameraman running alongside Matt Frazier because it's like wild how fast he's going and he's passing all these people and nobody expected this of him. And it's a very good feel good moment because that's what sports documentaries are very good at doing. The Secretariat movie that Disney made is not good, but when that horse runs its final race, he is moving like a tremendous machine and I cry. (laughs) So, um, the original owner of CrossFit hated the games. I think that's an interesting point. And he kind of did his best to like sabotage it. But the games are how a lot of people know CrossFit. And there are people who are fans of the games who are not into CrossFit. Like me. I'm not a fan of the games, but I do watch it. So I don't know what that makes me. I'm a critic of the games. I once live tweeted the games. Um, so that tells you everything you need to know. I have a lot of thoughts about um, injury rates in CrossFit and how they go up. Because people are forced to do a ton of repetitions that are not necessarily healthy to do. But the games themselves are four to five days with four-ish events per day, depending. They usually do Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then a Wednesday start, and then they have like a rest day. They have been taking place in Madison, Wisconsin for the last few years. Before that, they took place on a tennis, in like a tennis arena in California. And then before that, they were at Dave Castro's ranch, very famously. So... I just kind of leapt into the documentaries. I don't, I think Redeemed and Dominant was the first one I watched, which is the 2017 one. They have documentaries going back to like 2009. I've watched some of the early ones. I don't really enjoy them that much. Um, it's much more bro-y. It's a lot more like, I don't know. I don't think the way that the women are spoken to or about is particularly professional. And the dudes who were winning back then were just like a lot. It wasn't a professional sport yet. So it just it's a lot more amateur. Um, Reebok used to sponsor the game. So they put out something about the 2014 one, which is like, okay. it doesn't show a lot of the actual movements. It's just kind of talking head interviews. So that's kind of a weird part about the earlier ones is that they're not as confident with like cutting back and forth or using voiceover from talking heads. So it's a lot of fucking talking heads. Also one year they like terribly straighten all of the girl's hair with like a flat iron and it looks so bad. Tia Claire Toomey is Australian and she has curly hair and she has a flat iron taken to her curls and it does not suit her and they should never have made her do it they obviously hired like a cheap makeup artist who was like yep we're gonna flat iron everybody's hair and everybody was like okay i don't think that looks good on most people also who flat what stylist wouldn't do like a blowout like oh it's so bad um the documentaries used to be made in-house by Mostly directed by these two guys, Mars and Heber are their, like, stage names eventually. So that's how I'm going to refer to them. Um, And they were very, like, I'm going to describe these documentaries as high octane. It's a lot of, like, pumping music and, like, inner cut slow-mo of people running. Lots of talking heads. They worked for CrossFit, so they made the documentaries, but they weren't part of them. Then in 2018, they got fired from CrossFit. 
And everybody went and immediately made YouTube channels. So all of the people who had worked for CrossFit as like official like commentators and stuff, like they started making YouTube channels commenting on CrossFit ongoings. And they know a lot about the sport. So they got a lot of followers. And the Buttery Bros is what the two directors went off and eventually called their YouTube project. They still make a ton of CrossFit content. It is not good, in my opinion. It's quite hard to watch. They are not necessarily like my favorite vibe on YouTube. It's a lot of yelling. It's a lot of loud music. And they have a big fandom full of kind of little in-jokes and stuff. But it's a lot of advertisements. Also, they didn't take the pandemic. Like, the thing about CrossFit is that I used to actually like really enjoy watching it quite a bit more before COVID when I could pretend blissfully that everybody there wasn't a Republican. And then COVID happened and every single CrossFit athlete was like, it's not real. We're not getting vaxxed. So after they fired them in 2018, Mars and Heber made their own documentary in 2019. Then they were invited back in 2020. So like you can watch basically all the documentaries are from them. The 2021 one that I watched today is not. It doesn't focus on Dave Castro, and it actually has a lot more focus on the women. I have wanted to know more about Kristen Holta for years. She's always been in contention for the podium, never quite made it kind of thing. The women's t- like league is so much more competitive, especially even with Tia in there. Like It just stayed competitive for longer, I think. And... Yeah, I think the important thing to know about the documentaries is like, like they are not good, but they are very watchable. Um, they explain everything that's going on a million times. And there's one documentary where you actually like see the dude who gets busted for drugs get handed. Th- also, oh, Mars and Heaps. That's what I was saying. In the later ones, when they come back, they make it a lot about themselves. And like they became on camera personalities for their YouTube. So they do that in the documentaries. And it really really grates on me and so I don't like those nearly as much I think the focus of a of a CrossFit documentary is not about the two camera guys but you know they have a YouTube for that is how I feel a lot of CrossFitters started YouTubes like when Matt Fraser retired he started one and it was a very different vibe than what he's doing now I think he wanted to kind of like try to I think a lot of people think that they're going to be good at like influencing and being natural on camera and like selling stuff and it's not that easy Um, An Instagram photo is a lot easier to fake than like being really casual on camera. And uh, Matt Frazier is terrible home decor. I'll just say that. (laughs) But my ranking of them, um, I really like Fittest on Earth, A Decade of Fitness, which is the one about the 2016 documentary. CrossFit games it's they go back to the ranch for old time's sake we're gonna do it the way we did it at the first one stuff that's really interesting and they talk a lot about like the history of the games in that one because they're looking back on a decade some very weird shit gets said during that documentary it is off-putting um when Savan is on there he says some weird stuff about I think Annie Thor's daughter and isn't that such a great name and um it also, <laughs> um, Tia Claire Toomey has won. She is an incredible athlete. She got second for two years in a row. And the first year she was there, they completely ignored her and never mentioned her. And I can't help but think it's because she was like, not, you're t- not nearly as like classically pretty as like some of the other girls they had, like particularly like the three girls from Iceland are just like so conventionally attractive, stunning. And Tia's a brunette who doesn't wear a ton of makeup. 
You know what I mean? I'm a brunette who doesn't wear a ton of makeup. So that's not an insult. It's just a way of describing someone. Uh, but I think that the documentaries often missed her, um, which is interesting. And there was another Aussie who everybody had their eye on for a while. And she's the one that nearly died doing the Murph workout. So Fitness on Earth is good. Redeemed and Dominant is good. Um, it's probably like my favorite because it has a doping scandal in it, which like does drive the plot and, and narrative for it a little bit more. It also reveals how fucking stupid so many people at CrossFit are about doping. And I think CrossFitters are doping across the board. I think most athletes are doping across the board, just in case I haven't made that clear in this podcast episode yet. It's virtually impossible to convince me that anybody is doing it entirely clean, but like CrossFit athletes aren't even tested in ways that are not easy to evade. Matt Fraser got on the Joe Rogan podcast and I have seen excerpts of this and he basically talked about how like it's really easy to avoid them because he had been a junior weightlifter so he had gone through like the very intense form of checking and but like you have to understand like there's so many of these bodies are corrupt you get three strikes before anything happens and your first two strikes are private and they drop off after six months and all of this stuff and it's you know if you get caught once it's really not a big deal at all it's just if you get caught two more times in uh in a six month time frame after that But in those, it's a surprise. You have to give them your schedule. They won't call you, blah, blah, blah. CrossFit calls you like 12 hours before and says like, hey, we're coming tomorrow. Most drugs don't have that long of a half-life at this point. Roids in particular, HG, like things like that. Like the things that these guys are doing um, and girls, because girls get caught every single year as well, um, are absolutely burning their bodies, burning through. Like (laughs) it's not stopping. Uh, you can see it. They come back year after year and it's like sometimes you're like, yeah, you seem like you put on muscle like that seems natural. And then sometimes it's like, oh, OK, you've been doing this for how long? And then all of a sudden this last year you came back and you're like eight inches wider. OK, Patrick Melner. I love Patrick Melner. I really want him to win. I don't think he ever will um, because he tends to get 36th and 37th on the first event and then have to dig himself out of there. But I really wish he would. Um, redeemed dominant it's cool because you see Tia's mentality switch into like the mentality of a winner and I think it's really neat to see her kind of like come into her own and learn to turn it on Tia Claire Toomey just you know in case you're listening to this and have never seen a CrossFit documentary which is probably most people (laughs) I don't know that they're like everybody's favorite form of entertainment her husband is her coach and their relationship is so endearing and he cries in every documentary I love Shane. He seems like a very interesting dude. And he is just so proud of his wife and so like there for her in so many ways. Because like, yeah, like when she loses the second time in a row, it's just so intense. And um, when she wins it the first time, it's a pretty close call. And it's just like he's very he's he yeah, he does a good job. Um being on camera, being supportive. He's also her coach. So, you know, that's cool for him too. And then when they got married, she wore a crop top and showed off her um, six pack, which I've never seen a six pack that looks like hers. Um, Her body is unbelievable. And then there's the fittest. I, that's about the 2019 CrossFit games. They had really weird cuts. They brought a ton of people in from all over the world and then cut like a hundred people from the field. And then they cut it down to 10 before they even had weightlifting. So a lot of people thought it was unfair and they cut after a sprint event, which is also a choice. 
um, because it, it was over so quickly and a lot of people got out because of a technicality where they stepped on a line. So it just felt lame. And the Buttery Bros are a lot more like in that one. And that is not my favorite. There is a good one about games in Dubai, but it is also one big ad for the country of Dubai. Dubai seems like a cool place to visit. I don't know that they have leadership that I would describe as uncorrupt, but you know, who does? Uh, Resurgence 2020 is, um, or Resurgence, I think is just the full name of the documentary. I think I actually got it on Apple, which is like so deeply sad. I used to have such an expendable income. Um, and it was a weird COVID year. So there's like five men and five women competing at this ranch. It's a little bit more behind the scenes. It is cool to see. I thought the programming that year was actually really interesting, like just in terms of what they had them do and the rig and how it was set up. Um, they had some really stupid events too. Like they made them like do a bunch of like medicine ball squats after like swimming through a pool. So they were like really slippery. They all complained about it. (laughs) And then 2018, the ultimate test came out like five years after 2018's games. Um, it was kind of like a lost year. So, uh, I didn't love it when we finally got back to it. But there were really cool events in 2018. There was like a Peloton to start it off, which was like a cycling um, event. But it was very interesting to see. I do think it's neat that CrossFit is like, you know, so their whole thing is like, it's about the unknown and the unknowable. I hate how much I know about CrossFit. Um, But I'm so glad it's being put to good use. And so that's why they don't tell them the events way beforehand. And it's great to have a philosophy. I get what they're going for there. But I just think that you can't have a sport that's like a surprise. Every time people show up, they have obstacle courses. Like it just, it's sometimes it's real goofy. And yeah, sometimes it's like strongman stuff and sometimes it's gymnastics. And it's neat that they have such versatile abilities with their bodies. Tia Claire Toomey qualified for the Australian Olympic team for bobsledding like a year like within the year of when like between her wins at the CrossFit Games so like I'm not saying that these people are not incredible athletes who are doing really cool things that are fun to watch the commentary on the CrossFit Games never watch them live it's so bad they used to just talk about Matt Frazier and even when he wasn't like in the heat and stuff it was they still kind of do it. I will say the 2021 documentary also goes out of its way to not mention Matt Frazier once. So maybe they got that feedback. Yeah, I've seen way too much CrossFit is what my conclusion is. I do love a sports documentary and I think the CrossFit documentaries are kind of like imitation sports documentaries in a way, but they're very sincere. These people very much believe everything that they're saying in them. So there's that. Um, I'm not going to keep filling the time about CrossFit, even though I'm sure I'm going to get off this episode and be like, oh my God, I never mentioned this, this, or this. I don't want to say too many. Like, it's confusing if you just start throwing out names. That's not fun for anyone. Do I recommend you go watch them? Eh, If you've got, you know, free access to them on YouTube or some of them are on Amazon Prime Video and stuff. There used to be behind the scenes of them filming it, but like, honestly, a lot of those are weird. I don't think that the camera guys come off particularly well a lot in the behind the scenes stuff. They think they're very funny and they're just really not that funny. So that's why I think that's true. More than anything, I love a sports scandal documentary, which is why the Lance Armstrong ones are good. Some of the CrossFit ones get into scandal a little bit. Um, A lot of people certainly want to talk shit. So that's always interesting to see, too. 
Okay, I'm going to sign off. Um, Until next week, thanks so much for listening to Smoke Show. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I will leave links to everything in the description. If this is your first time listening, hi, hello, and welcome. And if this is your 15th, I think, time listening, thank you so much for being here. It's been... um, really interesting it's been kind of wild just to be like oh the numbers just keep going up whenever i put one out um consistency really does get you somewhere pretty quickly so thank you so much for being here uh if you want to follow me on tumblr i think that's where i'm gonna end up i don't know that i'm gonna stay on twitter with all this elon musk stuff can i just say oh my god yeah wait hang on i gotta give you an update about all my thoughts on twitter um elon musk buying it so fucking stupid so fucking lame blah 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 Stephen King being like, I'm not paying $20 for a blue check mark. And Elon Musk being like, what about eight? Is just like so fun. The idea that Stephen King would pay anyone for a place to write is just like <laughs> chef's kiss idiocy. Um, and yeah, it's um, tragic. It's weird. I hate Elon Musk more than almost any other billionaire besides maybe Peter Thiel. And Mark Zuckerberg is on, also on my list. I hate all billionaires, but like those those five Bezos, they're at the top five worst influences on the world kind of kind of vibe. So, um, who the fuck was I talking about? So anyway, Elon, terrible. I hate Elon. Um, so annoying. Really annoyed that he bought Twitter. I'm starting to really like Twitter. Um, I was using it more. So if you want to follow me on Tumblr, you've made it all the way here. So I feel like we're friends at this point, you know. Um, you can follow me at littlecornerinbrooklyn.tumblr.com. You can also follow me on the Smoke Show Substack. And subscribe to this podcast wherever you get podcasts if you'd like. Um, I would love that. Always makes me feel so special to get any new subscribers. So thank you so much for being here. I will talk to you all next week. Bye.